This week's guest is Dave Tran, co-founder of Dope Magazine, Fairchild, a Seattle-based cannabis events company, and Goldfingers Group, a plant-touching cannabis consultancy. Dave is a cannabis marketing innovator and pioneer. As CEO of Dope Magazine, Dave was the front man and responsible for the strategic direction of the magazine, as well as co-creating the Dope Industry Awards, Dope Cups, Dope Golden Ticket Parties, among other notable activities and achievements. We're here with Dave to chat with him about his experience as a serial entrepreneur, businessman, brand developer, father, grandfather, and many other things. Let's welcome Dave Tran to the show. Hey, what's up, Dave? How are you, man? Thank you know, you. a few other notable items I'd just like to call out before we get started is Dave Tran, as I just mentioned, was the co-founder of Dope Magazine, uh, started in 2011 and named the face of a newer, more polished and legal cannabis industry by the Seattle Times. Dave sold the magazine to High Times in 2018 in a deal worth over $11 million. Further, Dope Magazine was ranked in the top 1,000 of Inc.'s 5,000 list of the fastest-growing private companies in America three years running in 2016, 17, and 18. More recently, and after selling Dope, Dave started Fairchild with his partner, James Zahadny, just prior to the pandemic, as well as the Goldfingers Group, a plant-touching consultancy, which now has projects in Colorado, Washington, and Massachusetts. That's pretty amazing, Dave. And I guess that sets the stage for our discussion. Uh, Dave, we have been so blessed. Um, you know, for the last eight years, I've been running pretty hard. In fact, even longer than that. And, um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, the people that actually suffer through that, uh, you know, time away is, is the family and, you know, the, the, the ability to shut down and be able to spend time with my wife and kids are, uh, have been pretty amazing. And in fact, you know, today we're actually celebrating our 10 year anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary today. So, uh, That's awesome. you know, Happy I couldn't be more, more blessed, bro. Happy anniversary. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, man. So you started Fairchild just before the pandemic, Fairchild being an events company. Wow. Can, can you share the the trials and tribulations of, of coming off a sale of Dope Magazine and starting a new company and a new events company, and, and then in particular running into the pandemic. What was that like? Yeah, well, right after Dope, you know, me and James wanted to do something that, you know, we, 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 we loved and that we knew about. And, you know, at Dope, you know, one of the main components was uh, putting together, producing events. And, uh, we knew we wanted to be in that field. And, uh, you know, we really started to, you know, build a platform and start producing events. And, uh, you know, it was actually pretty close to a year when I was down in Cabo celebrating my nine year anniversary is where we started seeing the news about COVID. And, uh, you know, I was down there and, you know, things were getting pretty heavy and we had probably about four or five events in the books. Uh, you know, 420 was coming up. This was going to be one of the biggest 420s in the history being 42020. And, uh, we also had a lot of different launch events, people who, who, who wanted the expertise to help them throw very compliant events. So, uh, that would be right in our discipline. And, you know, when COVID did happen, you know, that really shut down all of that. So, uh, 
you know, immediately, you know, we kind of turned and said, you know, uh, there's not much we can do. Uh, 420 is coming up. And, you know, we still felt it was very important because so many people were going to be affected by COVID that we wanted to bring the community together anyways for 420. And uh, that's when we created Chronic Relief and, you know, took our shot at our first virtual event. And, you know, the most incredible thing was, you know, how the community just came out and supported and sent videos of encouragement and people reached out to their friends like Whoopi and, 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 and Tommy Chong and, you know, other people. And, you know, we were able to pull that off and, you know, really inspired us through the next year to really uh, focus on finishing the platform and continue to connect with event producers and different brands that we have been connecting with over the eight years with dope. And, uh, you know, we, you know, so far we're, we're, we're getting closer to seeing the light and events are, are, are starting to show up on the radar. And, uh, you know, uh, alas, we've been able to spend that year to build this, uh, platform where, you know, we look forward to really launching that in the next 30 days. Wow. That's fantastic. And so is that a Fairchild platform? It is. It's a, it's a fair platform and we're an event platform. Uh, some of the components, the key components of the platform is, uh, ticketing where, you know, before people would really use platforms like Ticketmaster and Eventbrite and, you know, like, you know, many, so many cannabis companies, you know, we'd have to really resist being able to really, you know, kind of promote that we were cannabis facing. Uh, in fear of, you know, losing our ability to, you know, load onto their site, you know, and, and that goes for social media. Uh, also, when you're promoting events, you know, there's that always that chance that you would be uh, blocked from there. So we wanted to build a platform that really gave the tools to event producers in these highly regulated uh, industries so that they can have the same tools as uh, everybody else. Uh, and, uh, I, I think that's something that we've always, as producers have always found it challenging. So we built it with that in mind. And so now we'll be able to help producers, uh, sell their tickets legally. Uh, and we'll be able to also take that and market. Uh, now you have definitely people who are coming there for a very specific reason is to find different type of events, whether it's conventions, whether it's small little craft events, whether it's launches, whether it's brand uh, events, events become just so important to uh, a, a cannabis company's marketing plan. And uh, we have seen that over the years, it became very important for us because really cannabis is so much about connecting and the brands are just so personable that, uh, you know, needing to feel and touch it through an event uh, became real important. So, uh, you know, while we did run into that, uh, you know, what would be a seismic uh, challenge, uh, we found it to be pretty beneficial with the timing. And uh, we are very bullish about uh, events going forward. That's really amazing to hear. Certainly when you were at uh, Dope Magazine putting together uh, so many events, you, you know, beyond the magazine, the monthly magazine itself, you know, the Dope Industry Awards, the Dope Cups, the Bud Tender Balls, and, and a few others, Golden Ticket Parties, I could keep going. You guys were, were known for uh, as much as your events as you were certainly for, for the monthly publication. So it's intriguing to see how after you sold Dope, 
you moved into, you know, really an, an events um, company. And, and then since the pandemic really moved into an events platform with platforming services that allow you to address, I guess, the lot of, a lot of the issues and problems that you saw early on when you were trying to create these events on your own. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, to me, events have been a part of our life for a long time before I got into cannabis. Uh, you know, I was in the bar and nightclub business. And to me, it was about throwing events every single night. And there was, you know, those things that matter, like hospitality, like connection, like what is this experience? You know, we always said, even back in the bar days, that, you know, we can't allow someone to walk in and create their own fun. You know, how can we go ahead and go the extra mile and create the fun for them? So when they come in, you have the experience of being with someone you, perhaps that you walked in with, but how can people interact? And I think those interactives and those experiences become absolutely vital in each of the events. And, you know, to us too, it's also about showing people, you know, uh, and, and consultively showing them, you know, what those type of events should look like to, 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 to kind of give the, you know, to, 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 to match the brand and what they were doing. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, what we did was a turnkey solution for a lot of companies. You know, we're able to get the right people in the room. We we're able to get them very engaged. They were coming in for an experience. And to me, all those sponsors knew that if they came to our events and sponsored them, that we would always stood by those standards. And I think that's where we were able to continue to produce events and become one of those, you know, go to events because we cared every time we created one, it was themed out. We, 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 we gave them a real, you know, very invoking feeling when they got there. And sometimes that's not cheap, but we, we, we feel like, you know, for us to maintain that standard, it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be just the cheapest and the quickest thing. It should be well thought out. Uh, and uh, to me, that's uh, that's what it's all about. Well, you've been amazingly successful at that. And clearly the, the things that come to mind, uh, as you just explained that, you know, were the, the Dr. Seuss event at, uh, at HempFest. Uh, yeah. You know, the hot air balloons. I think that was in Vegas at the MGM. Vegas, yeah, the golden ticket party. Right. Um, yeah. So you've, uh, you've certainly, at least <laughs> in my mind, have, uh, have incredibly memorable events that, uh, will, will stand out, uh, for a long time. <laughs> well, they, yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, the truth is, I am not, I can't take the credit. Right. And I will not take the credit. To me, it has always been a surrounding myself with just incredibly, talented people that have, uh, you know, true talent. And to me, you know, it was all about the vision for the company. You know, how did we want to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, voice, you know, our, our, our kind of like place in the industry and how do we maintain that? And to me, after that, it's about really hiring uh, and, and bringing in different talents that just, uh, again, go beyond me, you know, the Dr. Seuss thing, the hot air balloon. I mean, these are things that, you know, my partner James thinks about and he's able to just say, Dave, I got it. I know you're going to love it. And every time he said that over and over, it's been that type of experience. So I think that that trust and that the team uh, has more credit than, than I can ever have. 
Right on. I appreciate that. And I also uh, respect James as well. I've worked with him and uh, and just a, a quick shout out to James as well. You said earlier you uh, were a, a bar owner, certainly a serial entrepreneur. When you start to think about cannabis, you start to think about bars, you start to think about nightlife and lifestyle and all the components of that. Do you want to touch upon how you've been able to you know, really pull together art, music, design, cannabis to create not only a magazine, but but events and, and quite frankly, a community and a following surrounding all of those things that few people have been able to to create. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I would. And it really kind of starts from the beginning. You know, I mean, just the simple name of dope, right? Uh, you know, back in 2011, that we were at the precipice of that meaning two different things, you know, to the old legacy cannabis group. That was a derogatory term. You know, uh, you're a dope, you're shooting up dope. Uh, it wasn't considered something back in the day that was something positive. And, uh, you know, when we started it, you know, you know, I was in the era where dope was probably the highest honor you can give someone. If, Someone called you dope or they said you had the dopest shoes in the world. That means you had the best shoes in the world. So I think that was that, you know, just being able to, you know, come out and be very bold at the beginning with that name, but then backing it up by saying that, you know what, this means defending our patients everywhere. And I think that really kind of like started, you know, bridging that, that, that gap between the old and the new. And, uh, you know, to me back in the medical days, that wasn't back in the medical days. And I did actually start a medical store. And that's really where I learned about the medical aspects of it. You know, I was always recreational underground for 20 something years. You know what I mean? I was a distributor back in the day, but little did I know about cannabis. I knew about weed. Uh, and we sold it and it was two fingers down the bag and it was green or purple. Uh, it was that wacky weed or it was the one that made you really tired. And that's the way we described it. So when I opened that medical store, it gave me a real different perspective because real patients were going in there and they were choosing certain products to help them. Uh, and, and they opened my eyes to where cannabis was going. And that's really when we decided to start Dope Magazine uh, was really building that intersection. Because again, what I thought was what it was going to be was just supposed to be a bunch of my friends coming there, buying weed and getting medical cards because it was easy. No way, dude. It turned out to be people walking up and going, David, you see that Rick Simpson oil that you actually get for me? And they throw up on the, the countertop five, six, seven different you know, pharmaceutical pills and tell me, I don't have to take this because you bring this into your store. And to me, that changed my perspective. And to me too, it changed my consumption perspective because, you know, every time I smoke weed, uh, you know, it was like in my brain, I, it, it, it kind of slowed me down. It kind of like it's, it was for relaxing. It was for just chilling out. It was for just kind of just letting loose like that. But then I, in my head, I started thinking about how I could utilize this every day to actually, in effect, build me up, take me to my full potential. And that's really when all of these ideas about cannabis started coming up. And when we built the magazine, fortunately, you know, James was already created a magazine called D-List. And he already did a very 
slick, beautifully created. He had, you know, all these big stars on his magazine, Kim Kardashian and, you know, every single name that you can really think about. So he had that discipline. So to me, there was that bridge between how do we give information? How can we do it in a way that is not traditional? Because we know that eventually it's going to get out of the, you know, the, the underground basement type of cannabis. And I think we had that foresight to go, you know what? People aren't used to this, but we're going to go ahead and try to build this like this anyways. It will be unusual. And the same thing with events, you know, when we created it, it was meant to be like, why can't cannabis have these high level events? Why can't, why can't we have these events? Why does it have to be in a basement and, uh, and all these things? And, you know, uh, to me, that really was the intersection between building something that was where, where, where the puck was going, uh, instead of just kind of going to where it was. And I think, you know, it boded really well because, you know, legalization and we didn't know it was coming at the time we built it and it started coming quick and our conversation started changing. And when we first started, no one wanted to be on the cover. That's why you never saw a person on the cover. Because there wasn't anybody who wanted to jump in front uh, and, and be that, that cover page because there was so much stigmatization and, and, and negativity towards it that if you were on there, and just like our first cover, Mayor McGinn was the first cover, CNN and those guys called him a dope. They're like, look at this dope on the magazine. So we knew we had a very long road to go to change people's mind and eventually you know, bringing in you know, uh, different aspects of it but the, but i think an important part and hopefully i'm not too long-winded here is the defending our patients everywhere turned into defending our plant everywhere because to me the the plant encompassed the patients the people and also our planet and that was really when we decided in our head to be like how we are going to change hearts and minds is not going to be talking about products but we're going to focus on people. And when we focus on people, there is an endless amount of content to write. And to me, people relating to the people will allow them to understand that this isn't too bad. Here's someone that's going through the same thing, whether it's a single mother, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a, you know, a someone ex-military. These people are out there. And when they relate to it, I think it opens the door to a lot more people and to your point about culture and music, cannabis crosses all of those streams. And I think it was just a great opportunity for us and timing to be able to then pretty much the floodgates started coming in with legalization of all of the great covers that we've ever had. Uh, those were people that were now willing to stand in front uh, instead of in the back and be able to kind of like lead this movement. I see your love for the people in your events. You've really taking your events and segmented them in, in, in really smart ways. You know, the dope industry awards are really for the brand owners and the industry people. I've never been to a cannabis event where people came in black tie and showed up and sat as if it was a wedding and, uh, accepted their awards, came together in pride and, and harmony. You know, the dope cups were really about the consumers, you know, really, really, um, participating and uh, consuming and the bud tender balls were really about the bud tenders and, and showing them some love too. Cause if anything, they're at the front lines, but more often than not, 
don't get the love that they deserve when in fact they're probably some of the biggest influencers relative to a purchase of, of a specific brand or not. So your love for people has really has really shown in, in the way you've uh, created your events and segmented them out to all the people, you know, touching the industry. And, and even further, when you talk about your covers, you absolutely started off with the mayor of Seattle. But over time, you know, you had uh, members of the Marley family, you had Bernie Sanders, you had Whoopi Goldberg, you've had uh, NFL and, and uh, NBA players, you know, well-known personalities. The magazine really, in many ways, has, has evolved in, in, in much that, that the industry has and the acceptance uh, of the industry. You, can you talk about that, you know, like from your beginning to sort of where you were when you sold the magazine and even today about acceptance and, and how, how it's just more widely accepted overall? Yeah, absolutely. And again, just going through the transition from medical to recreation was just so eye-opening. And, and, and to me, it's always been, been, been about the people. You know, when you have a media company like we had, and, you know, we we're putting out 80,000 magazine and it's reaching a lot of different people. There's a responsibility to show the diversity. And, you know, I was speaking about people being able to relate to other people. Uh, the only way you're going to be able to do that justice is if you, you, you go out there and, and you, you show the diversity in our community. And, uh, you know, everyone comes from different backgrounds. That's a beautiful thing about cannabis is that there's people that are very medical facing, but there's also people that are recreational and cultural. Uh, uh, people and, and they love the culture of cannabis. So to me, bridging that gap was everything, right? And but 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 really having a certain voice that was consistent over the years, and that's what I would say I'm so proud of is that you know we were, you know what I mean? We had a certain voice, and we didn't change that, and we didn't change it really for anybody. But the truth is, we were able to work in tandem with any group there was. East Coast, West Coast, global, medical, recreational, you know, everything, whether you're an edible producer all the way to your cultivator, you know what I mean? We're able to go ahead and bring all of those people in because, again, we're now we're talking about people and not products. And I think that really changed the way, uh, you know, to me, we approached it. And for me, I got the luckiest job in the world. I get to do go out there and shake hands. I get I have this magazine where I could reach out and listen to people and understand what issues they're going through. And basically to me, I always had to me the stewardship and the need of the stewardship to be able to connect people so that they could succeed. And I've always said that's what my service was. If I could connect you to you, and you guys go do something bigger and make this industry better. Great. I'm doing my job. And I do, I, and I wanted to do that and reach far through the magazine. And the further we got out there, the further I knew we can accomplish that. And through the events, we further connected people together. Um, so there's a, there's certainly to me, uh, that, 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 that principle to me never changes in business. I, I think business is always about people, uh, not just cannabis, but just in, in general, from the way I started relationships, uh, connections, integrity. Those are simply 
the only way you can go forward if you're really thinking about things in the long term. So I always kind of base everything that I do around people because I know I have only a certain amount of strengths. And to me, I will never take credit for these great accolades that, 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 that we have received because we have received them. It wasn't just me. There was writers. There was editors. There was, you know, uh, even down to the sales folks who interacted with businesses uh, and all of those. Those are the people who created it. And, and I'm just so blessed that they were able to see the vision that was built. And, uh, you know, every time you bring someone on, it, it, you're bringing on someone to the tribe. And, and it certainly to me is is important. And of course I care about every single person beyond what you're doing at our job, right? Because you're part of my family. And I just, you know, it's, 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 you know, I might not have a lot of skills, but to me connecting people and really that love for people to me has seemed to bode well for me. And, you know, it's led me to every opportunity I have uh, in life. And, uh, you know, basically I'm just beginning. So there's more people to reach and, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Dave, can you give us your thoughts on how cannabis brands leverage, uh, lifestyle components and what brands are doing it successfully? Well, I think, you know, cannabis is a lifestyle, you know, and whether, whether, uh, you're doing it, recreational, whether you're doing it, you know, for medical purpose or, you know, I think there's one degree uh, to, to, to someone being affected by cannabis, uh, if that makes any sense. And, you know, to, 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 to me, there's so many brands that do that. And I think, you know, just being able to watch the brands over the years, be, be able to be consistent with their messages and be able to do that. And I think, you know, again, dope, you know, we always strive to do that, right? We always strive to have a consistent voice that people can rely on. And I think that's really, you know, before you become a brand, uh, you know, you get that feedback and you get that, you know, you're, 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 you're making people feel a certain way. And I just think that there's so many brands, you know, of course, in California doing it, me in Washington, I'm, you know, of course I love, you know, Freddy's Fuego here. Um, you know, they stay true to where, you know, where they started and they continue to build consistency in their brand and the message. But, uh, you know, also, you know, in everything they do, you know, with their, their, their perception out in the market, the way they handle issues, the way they interact with their retailers, you know, that, that, that to me is everything that integrity and, and, and that ability to be able to, again, stand by your word, have that integrity really takes you so far. And I just, you know, again, I hard to shout out specific brands that do that, but you know, there are so many different brands that have been around for a long time because they have that standard because they have that integrity and because they're able to constantly look at where they're at and continue to know that they're growing too and they can change. And what was doesn't have to be now also, and knowing when to do that. And, uh, you know, uh, there's, 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 you know what I mean? To me, the, 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 I give credit to so many 
you know, uh, different brands out there that, that, that have been able to do that. And, you know, to me, we're always trying, uh, to work with them. In fact, you know, we're trying to, de- to, to develop those brands ourselves. You know, uh, you know, I finally have been touching the plant after not touching the plant for eight years. You know, it was, wasn't much to me of a, uh, a conflict of interest. Uh, to be able to do that. But now that I'm touching the plan and I'm looking at brands a little more closer and I'm developing our own brands, you know, we're utilizing these same principles, uh, the same principles, uh, you know, that are, are utilized in many different industries. And I think, you know, speaking about bridging, you know, you know, cannabis and bridging what is, you know, traditional business and industries is very important. You know, I think we have found out that one or the other doesn't work. You know, we've had the time where it was all cannabis people trying to run a business in the rec, you know, the, 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 the new legal world and that didn't work. And then the, the, the people that weren't in cannabis, you know, decided, you know what? We don't want any cannabis people. We need to run this like a regular business. Those guys failed too. And sometimes very miserably in the public in front of everyone to see. So I think there's this important bridge between the old school and the new school, the culture and also where this, uh, medicine is going to be. Uh, so I think that's certainly exciting. And, you know, how can we continue to provide more tools? to these brand owners so that they could be successful. And I think uh, there lies to me a lot of opportunities in the future, uh, you know, whether it's technology, whether it's, you know, ancillary business, things that support uh, the picks and shovels really, uh, you know, will, will, will continue to help us uh, grow as an industry. You hit the nail on the head when you talk about the existing culture and what that means and basically business best practices and what those mean and how culture and best practices come together to create, you know, something that respects the history, but also takes the industry to a place it's never been before. Dave, you've been a successful entrepreneur who has seen the future before it arrives a number of times. What are your thoughts on the future of cannabis? Well, the future of cannabis, Dave, is becoming global. Um, you know, we're moving very close to legalization. We are moving very close and we've heard this said so many times that the big guys are coming in, whatever that means. Uh, but you know, that's true. You know, I think there's technology, uh, people that haven't even come into this industry yet. I still think the best things, uh, in this industry are still yet to be built, uh, from that point of view. But, uh, to me, you know, it becomes now not hyper local, uh, cannabis anymore. Now people are thinking about how we look at it from a national point of view, but then a global point of view. And to me, that's going to be very exciting, right? Whatever you're doing here in the United States, this could translate into business in Mexico, into Europe. And, you know, how do we get, then go ahead and, you know, look at those companies that have done that type of transition? Uh, and, and I think that's certainly exciting. You know, to me, you know, the goal always is, you know, and has been for a long time uh, for the plant to be available to everybody. Right. And I think everything that we've done over the years is to, you know, whether it's, you know, the fight for lobbying here or, 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 or building, you know, different companies to support this is the idea of, uh, cannabis that has been to me suppressed for so long 
something so powerful that we are now just scratching the process and seeing how big an effect it can make on an economy, on a society. And, and, and to me, it's been in that, that, that hole for so long that, that, that to me, I think that there's just so much more that is happening. And uh, I think, you know, when we start to see this start crossing uh, not only state lines, but also uh, countries, uh, I think that's really where, uh, you know, we're going to fulfill this destiny, right? It's going to be everywhere. You're not going to be able to be persecuted in there. We can do research on it and learn more about it. We can build more things with this hemp and this other byproduct uh, of it, right? And kind of learn, too, what other byproducts that could be utilized to salvage, you know, what we have left for our children's future. You know, I mean, to me, we have a serious, you know, uh, climate issues and we have all of these issues that, you know, I know you have children. I care about, you know, that for the future. And I believe, too, that, you know, hemp has not given it, uh, you know, fair due yet. And I, I look forward to seeing all of these uh these uh these aspects of the plant uh become more available uh and i i'm very excited about that uh the future as an industry insider what advice do you have for any of the listeners who might want to jump into the industry but just haven't quite figured out their angle just yet to me you know cannabis is all about people you know what i mean there's so many people that have have, 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 have gone through and have, you know, really ran through the glass door for where we are at today. And the most amazing part of that is those people are willing to share their knowledge. And they do that through so many different platforms. And we're so lucky in this day and age because when I started, there was no Facebook. There was no platforms to be able to get this information. There was no dope magazine. Uh, there weren't, you know, the branding bud books, right? So nowadays there's really, you know, no uh, excuse not to, to, to have all the information that you need to be able to do it. So I always believe that, you know, there's a lot of materials out there for you to, to look at, but the people are going to be available for you to be able to access unlike any other industry, you know, and you'll be able to do that through so many like emerge there, uh, virtual online events. And, you know, I talked to the people over at NECAN yesterday over in Massachusetts there, you know, my friends over at champs over there, just amazing. They're building platforms to share this information. And, and, and there's no like to me, like, uh, you know, you, you're guaranteed you have to sign up. No, you can absolutely take a look free of charge and you can look and all of the, the people that have been doing it are sharing experiences like this today. And that's why I'm on here, because if I can share my experience with anyone and at the very least inspire them to even take a look, then I think that is amazing. And I, I just, you know, uh, that's always what it's going to be about. So if I give any advice, feel free, reach out to people. Uh, and, and be able to kind of understand the industry a little bit more. And then when you get into it, man, uh, I'll tell you what, the resources that we have now have never been here before. So, uh, you know, just, just, you know, you have an amazing opportunity to look at it. And to me, this is my life. You know, I'm doing this because it's my life. It's a part of my life. 
everywhere. It's not a secret here. It's not a secret over here. I don't tell these friends and then I don't tell these friends, you know, this is who I am. And I also recommend that that's what you should do in everything in your life, right? Stand for something, stand for a purpose of what you're trying to do. And you seriously, you will be at the right place at the right time. Thank you so much for your insight and your time. And most importantly, your contributions to the industry. You have been an amazing force. We've been watching you for years. We're going to keep watching you. And uh, we thank you for all you've done. Thank you so much, Dave. Much love, Dave, and much love to everyone. Uh, stay dope, and uh, thank you very much.